If you have your Bible this morning, open them up to the book of Matthew and find the sixth chapter. You know, when the Lord began to speak this message to me this week, it occurred to me that this is a great message for those that are graduating. Really, when it began to come to me, I didn't have that in mind. But also, it, it's, a, it's a great message for every one of us because it really, it's really what matters. It's really what matters as far as our life is concerned. You know, um, somebody made this statement, and I had no idea what they meant. They said, now what you're doing now is uh, you're living the dash. You're living the dash. And I said, well, what does that mean? All right, let me show you what the dash is. My birth date is December the 5th, 1937. Now, there's a dash. I don't know the day that I'll go to heaven. But so I'm living between the day I was born and the day I go to heaven. And it's called the dash. Now, I wonder, uh, how are you filling in that dash with your life? How are you filling your life in with that? I want to speak to you today about the divine purpose that God has for your life. How that that dash, because you know, truly, we only have one life. And it will soon be passed. And if we do not live according to God's divine purpose for each of us, then the dash is just going to be insignificant. But if somehow in that dash, the day between we were born and the day we go to meet God, we fulfill the divine purpose. And he does have a purpose for you now. There is a common purpose he has for every one of us. And if we fulfill that purpose, then life will have had absolutely the meaning that God intended for it to have. You know, there's a familiar passage of Scripture that probably is one of the most familiar in all the Bible. In fact, the pro- all right, for example, we know how familiar the 23rd Psalm is. We all know that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's a very familiar passage, the 23rd Psalm. And then, of course, there's John three sixteen. Very familiar. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, this next one, this next verses are just as familiar. But to be honest, it's almost like I saw the first part of these verses. And it's almost like God said, but you, you need to understand. In the first two verses here, you just read my purpose for your life. And of course, I'm talking about what we call the Lord's Prayer But it's not the Lord's Prayer, it's the model prayer. It's when Jesus taught us how to pray. In Luke chapter 11, verse 2, one of the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, they saw him praying, Lord, would you teach us to pray like John taught his disciples to pray? And of course, Jesus did. But you go back in Matthew chapter 6, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount, 
where Jesus was doing all of his great teachings. Uh, unbelievable. It's about three chapters. It's, it's phenomenal, the Sermon on the Mount. You need to read it and ask God to make it live in your heart. But as a part of that, he told them how not to pray. In chapter 6, he said, don't, don't pray to be seen of men. Don't go stand on the street, street corner and pray these, uh, these prayers to be seen and heard of men. He said, now don't pray to be seen and heard of men. The second thing he said, now, when you pray, don't, don't use vain repetitions. So many religions just chant the same thing over and over again. Chant the vain repetitions. He said, they think if they say it a lot of times that God will hear them. He said, now, don't, don't, don't pray that way. He said, when you pray, get alone with God. And this is how you pray. All right, look at verse 9. And you're going to find something here about this prayer when Jesus taught us to pray. We're going to concentrate on the first two verses. But I want you to see how personal this prayer is, which means the first two verses are very personal. I mean, you could just quote it without even looking in your Bible. Notice he says in verse 9, In this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, it's very personal. He said, our Father, our Father. It's very personal. He said, our Father. But now, now look. How personal it is. Look at verse 11. Give us this day. Put, put me there. Give me this day my daily bread. You know, that's very personal. And forgive me of my sins as I forgive those who sinned against me. Verse 13. And do not lead us, or you could say, and do not lead me into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So, now, it's obvious that prayer is a very personal thing. Lord, give us our daily bread. Deliver us temptation. Forgive us as we forgive others. So, it's very personal. But you know what you've got in that first two verses? You, you, you've got God's purpose for our lives. Look what he says. He says, now when you pray, I want you to remember what life is all about. And he does. See, I've read this a hundred times, more than that. I don't know how many times I've read it. And I knew that um, he was saying something significant. But basically, he's saying, this is your divine purpose. Hallowed be your name. Your purpose is that your life will glorify me. Our Father, hallowed be your name. Where? In my life. In my life. In my life. Be glorified, God, in my life. I I don't want to live in my life not give you glory. I want to be able to say like Jesus said in John 17, 4, I have glorified you on earth. So the first thing of, of, of divine purpose for us is this. Glorify, be glorified in my life. Hallowed be your name. But look at the next thing. Your kingdom come. 
Wow. He said, now, Lord, in my life, even in the answer to these prayers, I want you to know it's not my kingdom, it's your kingdom. And I want your kingdom to come in my life. It can't be any more personal than that. Be glorified in my life and your kingdom come in my life. Lord, the dash, be glorified in my life and your kingdom come. And then look what else he says. Your will be done. Be glorified in my life. Your kingdom come in my life. And your will be done in my life. On earth while I'm here as it is in heaven. There's no question in my mind that that's God's divine purpose. That your life would give him glory. And see, it's not the vocation that you have. It's that in that vocation, you glorify him. That's it. That in everything you do, your life gives him glory. And that your, your, his kingdom will come in whatever plan and, and direction God has for your life. And that his will would be done. This brings me back to the truth that God showed me. You remember after the, after the heart surgery, when I came back, the first message I preached was on absolute surrender so that you could hear the voice of God. <laughs> you know what these three things are about? Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. You know what that's about? That's about absolute surrender. Lord, I surrender my life so that it will glorify you. Lord, I, I surrender my life so that your kingdom can come in my heart. And Lord, I surrender my life so because I choose not my will, but I choose your will. What I want to do is show you from the word of God, what does it mean for God to be glorified in your life? How can that be a reality? You say, well, Brother Fred, this is what I think God wants me to do with my life. Praise God. But, but you know, God wants to be glorified in your life, regardless of what it is. You know, I love what it says over in Colossians 3, 21 or 22. Whatever you do, do it heartily to the Lord and not to men. What does it mean for God to be glorified in our lives? I'm going to tell you two things. This is when God is glorified in your life. There are more. But God is glorified in your life when you have a personal relationship with God. Now underscore that word personal. God is glorified in your life when you have a personal relationship with God through repentance of your sin and personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are able to pray our Father. But you can't pray our Father until you have a personal relationship with God through repentance of sin and personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't say our Father. And so when you have that personal relationship with God through repentance of sin and faith in Jesus Christ, then your life is giving glory to God. And, and the Bible says that. That, that he can be glorified in our life. And that's what he wants to do. For example, God made it possible for 
us to have that personal relationship with him. Now, let me give you some verses. I want you to listen. Therefore, being justified by faith in Jesus, we have peace with God. That means I've got a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, being justified by my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I have peace with God. So your life can glorify God. Romans 8 gives us some great verses that talks about how we can have that personal relationship with God. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15. Now, don't, don't miss this. It says that he sent the Spirit of his Son in our hearts. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. Listen to what it says. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. You're God's child. You're glorifying God. You have a personal relationship with Him. You did not receive the spirit of bondage, again, to fear. But now get this. You've received the spirit of adoption. God's adopted you into His family. He has adopted you into His family. You did not receive the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry out, Our Father. See, God has adopted us into His family through Jesus Christ, who died for us and rose for us and lives in us. And so therefore, having been adopted, he sent his spirit into our hearts and we say, our Father. You see, that's that personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Your life gives glory to God when God is your Father through faith in Jesus Christ. There's another verse there in Romans chapter 8, and it's in verse uh, uh, 16, it says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. You know, I like that verse in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. We're all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. I love John 17, 3. And this is eternal life that we might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. You know, That dash between the day you were born and the day you get to go to heaven is going to mean nothing unless during that period of time your life has glorified God. And the only way you can glorify Him is to have a personal relationship with Him through faith in Jesus Christ. And and so don't, 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 don't go to second base. Don't you dare until you are sure. Well, I know one thing. I have a personal relationship with God. I know the devils believe in God and tremble. But my belief in God is not just an intellectual ascent that there is a God. It's just not a, 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 you know, somebody had to create all this we live in. I know God. I know him. And I know him through Jesus Christ. And he's my father. And he's a personal God. He's personal. He created me in his image. He knows the number of hairs on my head. He's more concerned about me than anything else. If a sparrow falls, he knows it. How much more does God know everything that is going on in my life? Because he's my personal, he's a personal, the personal God in my life. Now you glorify God when you have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But let me tell you another thing. Bible makes it clear that you glorify God when your life is fruitful, fruitful toward God. It's all over the Bible that our life is to be fruitful. 
Your life is to be fruitful as far as God is concerned. And Jesus talked to, talked to us about that. Now, not only about that personal relationship with God, but when we have fellowship with God through Jesus, we, 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 we ha- we're fruitful. And, and the fruit in our life glorifies God. Let, let me just read you what Jesus said about that. He said, uh, abide in me. Jesus is talking about you and I now. Talking about us abiding in Jesus. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. He's forgiven our sins. He's changed our life. We're a new creation. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch, he said, by the way, I'm the vine and you're the branch. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branch, you're coming out of me. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Talking about fruit. Unless it abides in the vine, no more can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you're the branches. He who abides in me, trust in, rely on, cling to, have fellowship with. You're trusting in me, Jesus said. You're relying on me, Jesus said. You're clinging to me, Jesus said. You're abiding in me. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he, listen to this, bears much fruit. You bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And then he says it in verse 8. Are you ready? You want your life to glorify God? Listen to what it says. By this my Father is glorified. I want to underline that and I want to know what Jesus says. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you shall be my disciples. We glorify God when we have a personal relationship with God. The repentance of sin and faith in Jesus Christ. But we glorify God when we abide in Christ. We're surrendered to him, and the life of Jesus is in us, and we have the fruit of a righteous life, the fruit of a godly life, a fruit of a worshiping life, a fruit of a, the fruit of a serving life. We bear fruit. We, by, the Bible says, by their fruit you shall know them. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. I want to ask you, how are you doing on your dash? From the day you're born until today, are, are, you, are, are you glorifying God? Is your life bringing glory to God? That's the bottom line now. You say, well, you know, I don't think my job's in, is significant. If it's God's will, it's eternal. But you don't understand as far as the world goes, Brother Fred, I seemingly am insignificant. Wait a minute. There are no insignificant people as far as God is concerned. God created you in his image. And if you're fulfilling God's divine purpose, if you are glorifying him, your life is just as important as anybody else's life. Now, here's the second thing he said in that familiar passage. Hallowed be your name. And then he said this. Your kingdom come. You know, you're fulfilling your divine purpose, fulfilling your divine purpose, when God's kingdom comes in your life. I like that. Your kingdom come. Can I tell you the good news? Every kingdom has a king. And you know who's the king of our kingdom? (laughs) His name is King Jesus. Hallelujah. I got to thinking, Brother Ed, about that chorus. I'd love to sing it, but I don't remember all the words. All hail King Jesus. 
All hail Emmanuel, King of kings, Lord of lords, Prince of peace. And on you go. Let me tell you something. I am in the kingdom of God and you're in the kingdom of God if you're a child of God. And hallelujah, we have a wonderful king and his name is Jesus. And Jesus needs to sit on the throne of your heart. Man, to be in the kingdom of God. Did you know what Colossians 1.13 says? You, you say, Brother Fred, am I really in the kingdom of God? Boy, listen to this. You know, when Jesus saved us, we changed kingdoms. Oh, yeah. We changed kingdoms. I'm reading the Word of God. In, in Colossians 1.13, He has delivered us from the power of darkness. There, was, there is a kingdom of darkness, y'all. All around us, there's the kingdom of darkness. And Satan is the ruler of the darkness of this world. But he said, he delivered us from the power of darkness. He delivered us from the kingdom of darkness. And he translated us, he conveyed us into the kingdom of his son of his love. God took us out of the kingdom of darkness and he conveyed us and he placed us in the kingdom of his dear son. And I want to tell you today, if you're a child of God, you are not in the kingdom of darkness. You are in the kingdom of the son of God. And that's why you feel uncomfortable when you get around the darkness. I tell you what, it drives me crazy to be in the midst of darkness. You can go in some places and it's so cotton-picking dark. You say, God, if I don't soon get out of here, I'm going to lose my sight. It's never been darker in America than it is today. Brother Fred, don't be negative. I'm not being negative. I'm telling you the truth. It's never been darker. But praise God. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And if you follow me, you will not walk in darkness, but you'll have the light of life. That settles it for me. I'm not in the kingdom of darkness. I'm in the kingdom of God's dear son. And it's a kingdom of light. And if we follow Jesus, we won't walk in darkness, but we'll have the light of life. Hallelujah for the king. He said, your kingdom come. And you want the kingdom of God to come in your life. Let me just tell you just three verses on the kingdom of God that'll excite you. I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but just listen to this. You know what Matthew 6, 33 says? But seek, I want you to see if you can help me finish this. Matthew 6, 33 says, but seek ye first the, the kingdom of who? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. I read these verses this morning and it really, I almost laughed out loud. This is what Jesus said. Now stop worrying about what you go. This is right there in Matthew uh, 6. Stop worrying about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and what you're going to wear. Woo! I think you ought to put that the mirror on the mirror so your wife could read it every day. <laughs> well, I should not have said that. I should not have said that. No, I should not have said that. <laughs> but have you ever noticed how your conversation is, well, what are we going to eat today? When you get my age, that's about the only, you know, exercise you get. I mean, what are we going to eat today? What, what, what are we going to eat? What are we going to have for dinner? What are we going to drink? Water. <laughs> you don't need all that caffeine. What are we going to wear? As little as we can, as far as comfort. No, excuse me, please. Dear God. No, no. 
no, no. Around the house, around the house. <laughs> around the house, are you listening? <laughs> around the house. It's got to be loose and not a lot of it. <laughs> oh, Lord, help me. But you know, hear about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, man, it's the rule of Jesus Christ in our life. It's a kingdom of light, and it's not darkness. And the Bible says we're to seek first his kingdom, to seek first his kingdom. And let me tell you what else it says about his kingdom. Now listen to me very carefully. The kingdom of God, we're not only to seek it first, but the Bible says the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. Listen to what it says. You see, back in when Jesus was making these statements it, with the Pharisees and, and the religious people, it was the way you washed your hands, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And Jesus said this about his kingdom. He said, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. Listen to what he said. These, this is found in Romans. It's found in Romans. Jesus didn't say it. It's found in Romans. Romans fourteen seven. 17, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. Now, that's the kingdom of God. It's not eating and drinking. It's righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. It also says about the kingdom of God in 1 Corinthians 4.20. I love this. The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. God's kingdom is a powerful kingdom. But let me just tell you one thing. This is, I got excited about this. You see, I, I, I'm living between the dash right now. December the 5th, 1937, dash. And then the day I go to be with the Lord. But now, if that dash is going to have any meaning, you've got to fulfill the divine purpose that God has for you, that your life glorifies God, that in your life, God's kingdom comes that king jesus rules on the throne of your heart and let me tell you about his kingdom not only is it we to seek it first not only is it righteousness joy and peace in the holy spirit and not only is it not in word but it's in power but listen at this friend you, you, you in the days to come you're going to know how important these verses are you know what it says about his kingdom? That it can't be shaken. It says all the kingdoms of this world are going to be shaken. Everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. And we already see the shaken all over the world. But listen to what it says about his kingdom. That it can't be shaken. It says in verse 25 of Hebrews 12. Do not refuse him who speaks. He's talking about God, talking about Jesus. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, how much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven? Now, God is speaking from heaven, and you better listen to what he says, because you won't escape if you don't. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised. Are you listening? Once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. He said, I'm going to shake earth, and I'm going to shake heaven. And then he says, now this yet once more indica indicates that God's going to remove the things that are being shaken as the things that are made. Are you ready? 
that the things which cannot be shaken, and there's some things that cannot be shaken, y'all, the things that which cannot be shaken will remain. And this is it. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, I want to tell you right now, earthly kingdoms will, sh- will be shaken. Earthly kings will be shaken. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. God will speak and everything will be shaken. But hallelujah, we have a kingdom in Jesus Christ that cannot be shaken. I'm reading it from the Word of God. For since we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we serve God acceptably. Just keep on serving God with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. I tell you, I see, I, I see the way people in leadership all over the world prance around and they talk about their power and they talk about this and that. And I'll tell you, all God has to do is speak one word and everything that can be shaken will be shaken and the kingdoms of men will crumble like a sandcastle in front of a wave. Hallelujah. Our kingdom cannot be, God's kingdom cannot be shaken. Well, here's the last thing. God's divine purpose for our life. Hallowed be your name. Be glorified in my life. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come in my life. Your rule, your reign. God, just you just rule my life and direct my life. Lord, I submit to your lordship. Jesus is Lord. You're Lord Jesus, and you're King Jesus, and I want you to be Lord and King of my life. I mean, it's all about surrender. And then the last thing, he says, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and your will be done. Now, I'm going to tell you about the dash. The day I was born, dash, the day I go to meet the Lord. Now, what if somehow in the dash, I didn't do the will of God? I completely missed God's will. I wish I'd have known ahead of time I was going to preach this message because I'd have had Ed sing one of my favorite songs he sings. Elvis Presley and Frank Sinatra were the two people that sang this song, the most famous. It was entitled, I Did It My Way. Elvis sang, I did it my way. Well, it's a whole lot better than that, dear God. But Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. And, you know, they did it their way. But Ed's got a song that he sings, for years I did it my way, and then I realized what a fool I was, and I started doing it God's way. Ed, why didn't you sing that? Because I didn't tell you to, but I wish you had. That's an awesome song. I'm telling you, I did it God's way. But let me tell you something. You can do it your way. You can. But I want to tell you, only one life, it'll soon be passed. And friend, I'm telling you, if you live your life outside the will of God, you do it your way. Ashes. Ashes. The ashes of a wasted life. You know, can I tell you about the will of God? The devil's a liar. 
Now, do you understand what a liar he is? He'll say to you as a, as a young man or a young woman facing your life if Jesus tarries and God gives you life. He'll tell you as a young man or a young woman. He'll tell you as a 30-year-old or 40-year-old. He'll tell you as a 50 or 60-year-old. He said, listen, you want to do it your way. Now, you, 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 you need to rule your own kingdom. Now, you need to rule your own kingdom. And you need to glorify your own name. And you need to do it your way. Because let me tell you about the will of God. The will of God is, you know, I mean, if you say you're going to do the will of God, uh, you'll end up in Africa as a missionary. That's exactly where you'd be. But, you know, if, if, you know, if that is God's will, if that's God's will, then you know what? Uh, you'd be so excited about it if you're a child of God. If you couldn't catch a boat, you'd swim to get there. I, I'm just telling you, if it's God's will. The devil says God's will isn't good. The devil says God's will isn't acceptable. And the devil says it's not perfect. See, that's the exact opposite of what God's word says. Let me give you two verses. And I promise you, anybody that's living their life in the will of God will tell you, I'll tell you, the life, the will of God is not without trials. The will of God is not without trouble. The will of God is not without suffering. The will of God is not uh, without difficulty. But praise God, the will of God is good. And the will of God is acceptable. And the will of God is perfect. And the will of God is eternal. Listen to this verse. I beseech you, brethren, Romans 12, 1, by the mercies of God, present your body a living sacrifice. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. It says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Don't let the world determine how you live and who you are. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that you might know the, this is the word of God, that you might know the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And friend, I want you to know God's will is good and it's acceptable and it's perfect. And by the way, it's eternal. First John 4 says, and the world passed away with all of its lust. But he or she that does the will of God abides forever. You know, let me just say this to you. God's divine purpose is that by his Holy Spirit, now you've got to get this, by his Holy Spirit and his Holy Word, you find out what God's will is for your life. You say, that's not easy, Brother Fred. Let me tell you a secret. 90% of knowing the will of God is being surrendered to it. If you say as a 20-year-old, God, I, I want you to know right now, I want your name to be glorified in my life. And I want your kingdom to come. I want you to rule and reign. And Lord, I want you to know I surrender to your will. Whatever it is, I surrender because I know it's good. I know it's acceptable. I know it's perfect. And I know it's eternal. 90% of knowing the will of God is being surrendered to it. And then all God's got to show you is 10%. That's all he's got to do. But if you're not surrendered to the will of God, you know what you're saying? I'll do it my way. 
You know, this, this, this thing at the fir- first part of the mortal prayer, God says, in the beginning, I want to give you my divine purpose. I want your life to glorify me. I want my kingdom to come in your life, and I want my will to be done in your life. And by the word of God and the spirit of God and an attitude of surrender, you can know the will of God, and you can do the will of God. Does that mean that you're going to be a preacher? No. Does that mean you're going to be a missionary? No. It may. You know what it may mean? It may mean that you're going to be a housewife that raises godly children. It may be that 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 it, it may be that you're going to work as a mechanic. It may be that you'll work in some kind of a profession. See, it doesn't matter. What matters is is what God. What is God's will for you? Now listen. Don't don't. You ain't got but one dash. I'm just telling you. One dash. Date born. Date gone. You don't get to redo the dash. So would you say, Lord, at any cost, I surrender. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. And your will be done. Hallelujah. What a Savior. And what an awesome God. That created us with the capacity to know him to have his rule in our life, and to do his will.